if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Push the button, Andrew. Thanks for being with us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the uh, 24th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we are going to talk with Sergeant Demetric Penny, Dallas Police Department in Texas. Why? Because Sergeant Penny is well-versed in what we are dealing with in uh, Louisville, Kentucky right now. And they have dealt with and continue to deal with in Dallas after the ambush of five police officers three years ago in Dallas uh, by Black Lives Matter um, activists. Uh, Sergeant Penny is going to try to make some sense of what happened in the Breonna Taylor case and more importantly, or well, yeah, I would say more importantly right now because uh, there are more deaths or more attempted murders. Um, there are attempted murders. Let me phrase that correctly. I shouldn't say more attempted murders. There was never an attempted murder in the Breonna Taylor case at all. That's the reason why there are no charges against those who fired and uh, uh were responsible in the death of Breonna Taylor. Let's phrase that properly. Were they responsible? Yes. Was it justified according to a grand jury and multiple investigations? Yes, they were. So Sergeant Penny's going to lend his expertise to those issues coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, we'll talk to Dr. Everett Piper about all of this, as well as the Supreme Court nomination fight going on right now in Washington, D.C., that will pick up in earnest on Saturday when President Trump names his nominee and we start the confirmation process. And, of course, that means we start the slandering and the attacking. Well, let's be real. That's already started of President Trump's nominee. Then at 1035, we're going to go in more in-depth on that with Ilya Shapiro, who wrote a very interesting book about the Supreme Court and about the nomination process and more. And we're going to talk to Ilya Shapiro about that coming up at 1035. So we're loaded up with guests, uh, but I still do want to hear from you at 216-901-0945, either one of those. I would very much uh, like to hear from you. So let's start with the obvious case yesterday. I was hosting the uh, Dennis Prager show yesterday, midday, when we found out, literally right before I came on the air, in fact, that the grand jury announcement was going to be made quote, this afternoon, and it turned out to be early in the afternoon during the Dennis Prager show, so I was able to kind of navigate 
and go through the play-by-play uh, as it came down, but uh, I really wasn't prepared for everything that came down the way that it did. It was really uh, quite uh, quite something to behold. Um, the first thing that we got was a statement from a, a judge, a circuit judge, announcing the actual um, charges or no charges, bills, true bill or no bill, you know, from the grand jury as it pertains to the three officers. And that was a little misleading because we were told the attorney general was going to make that announcement. As it turns out, the judge made the announcement, and then the attorney general, Daniel Cameron, came on and explained the results of the grand jury, uh, the decision that they made, and the investigation. And detailed, really in some great detail, um, the investigations that were conducted from March through now, obviously, toward the end of September. They spent six full months investigating the death of Breonna Taylor to make sure that they overturned every stone, that they looked behind every single, uh, you know, possible corner that they, you know, that they could to find out the truth, to find out what happened and find out how and why uh, things went the way that they did. It was a terrible tragedy, obviously, and they needed to find out, was it just a tragedy or was it tragedy and a crime? And as it turns out, it was not a crime. Now, one officer, as we know, uh, was indeed charged with wanton endangerment in the first degree, three counts, because he fired pretty much blindly uh, at the apartment after hearing gunfire. And his bullets went into uh, apartments on, you know, next to Brianna Taylor's apartment. And so people were put in danger in that building that had nothing to do with it, or that uh, apartment, rather, that had nothing to do with the situation. So the wanton endangerment charge was the only charge that was filed against any of the three officers. Why? Well, Daniel Cameron, the attorney general of the state of Kentucky, I carried it live, or we carried it live yesterday on the Prager program. He explained in great depth why. Because it wasn't what the media made the Breonna Taylor situation out to be. Which always seems to be the case in these high-profile BLM, Benjamin Crump-involved cases. They are almost never what the media rushes to judgment and portrays them to be. Almost never. So it should have been a surprise to no one that all of the misinformation about the Breonna Taylor case that had been out there all of the stories about how she was this wonderful EMT. And by the way, this is not intended to disparage her after her death, but the truth needs to be told. She was not just laying in her bed when police broke into her, into her house and shot her for no reason. She was not an EMT working for the city of Louisville. She had been way back four years ago in 2016 for less than a year. She was heavily involved with a very well-known crook and drug dealer, and the fact that that drug dealer spent much, much, much time at at her home and, in fact, had stored money, thousands of dollars in her home, which, of course, is drug money, is why there was a warrant to search the home of Breonna Taylor. This was not the wrong address, which the media has tried to portray over the last few months. It was the right address. This was not, she was not just some innocent person. Oh my gosh, they broke into the wrong house and I was laying in my bed or, you know, somebody describing it. She was laying in her bed and they shot her dead. No, 
She was not in her bed. Yes, it was the right house. Yes, it was her house. And yes, her house had been involved, had been involved in criminal activity because of her ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover. Again, the Attorney General yesterday in the state of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, laid all of this out very well, I thought. And it had to be very difficult for him because the first thing, the very first thing that he was asked about is, oh my gosh, do you understand, again, we had this on Prager, uh, how upset the black community is going to be about this. Why is the first question about race? Breonna Taylor wasn't shot because she was black. Breonna Taylor was shot, unfortunately, because somebody took a shot at police from inside her apartment. That somebody being, admittedly, her new boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. And when he fired at the police, the police fired back. And Breonna Taylor not laying in her bed, but actually being in the hallway, and who knows, maybe in front of Kenneth Walker, because he didn't get hit, and she did. And it was because they were searching the home of a known criminal associate. Again, not calling Brianna Taylor the criminal, but she was a criminal associate. And that's the reality of it, because her boyfriend, Jamarcus Russell, was heavily involved into a lot of bad things, and so was Brianna Taylor. Because of her association with him. That's why it was a legal warrant that was being uh, um, served. And guess what else? The media tried to tell us this was a no-knock warrant for the last six months. Daniel Cameron confirmed through their investigation and corroborated by an eyewitness who was in uh, the, the apartment, one apartment over, who heard very clearly the police announcing their presence as police as they pounded on the door. They announced their presence and got shot at for it. And in returning fire, Breonna Taylor was caught in essentially the crossfire. Because, again, I don't know where Kenneth Walker was positioned in that scenario, but it's kind of strange. To me, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say he was hiding behind Breonna Taylor, but all I know is when the police were fired on, they returned fire in that same general direction. And if that same general direction is where Breonna Taylor was, then, then Kenneth Walker must have been behind her, which is pretty amazing. But at any rate, the grand jury returned its decision yesterday not to charge any of the officers in the actual death of Breonna Taylor. And naturally, BLM, Antifa, the professional protesting crew, they were ready to go. You've seen the stories by now probably of a U-Haul truck being unloaded with all of their riot and protest gear. Somebody had it all ready to go. This was not a spontaneous reaction to a grand jury decision that they didn't know about. They were prepared with their rioting gear, everything from shields to signs uh, and more. We don't even know what else was brought out there except for the fact that we do know that uh, Louisville police were attacked with a variety of different weapons, and not the least of which, of course, was guns because two of them were shot and wounded last night in the mayhem. You knew that thugs were going to do what thugs do, and that is commit thuggery. And no, the word thug is not racially 
uh, does not have a racial connotation. A thug is somebody who does thuggish things. Black, white, red, purple, green, or brown. It doesn't matter. That's what they were going to do. Louisville knew that's what they were going to do. It's why the governor called the National Guard to Louisville in advance of the grand jury's decision. It's why the city of Louisville issued a state of emergency and the city of Louisville issued a curfew and a lockdown and why the city of Louisville boarded up businesses downtown and why the city of Louisville actually had the buildings sprayed with flame retardant chemicals because they knew that thugs were going to thug. And it's my belief and the belief of many with what happened in Louisville, Kentucky last night that no matter what the charges would have been, they were going to be BLM, burn, loot, murder, burn, loot, murder. That's what that organization does. It is not about black lives. I talked to a Louisville resident yesterday when I was doing the Prager show who told me, you have no idea how bad it is here. And he said, black lives are taken in this community all the time. He said, and I don't have the numbers to back it, but he said, and he sounded like he was not just popping off at the mouth, he said more blacks are killed by other blacks in the state or city of Louisville than Chicago on a per capita basis. And we all know that Chicago is like the shooting gallery of the country. He said it's that bad, and nobody says a word. Because it's the drug dealers and the gang members that are doing the shooting, and nobody cares. Now police come in, serve a warrant at the home of somebody associated with the drug dealers in a drug ring, that being Breonna Taylor, get shot at, get hit, shoot back and return fire, and yet they're the ones that people want locked up? They're the ones that we're going to riot over? That thugs are going to thug over because they're not being locked up? It is a very, very strange and dangerous time, a strange state of affairs that we are in right now here in the United States of America. And, of course, it wasn't limited to Louisville. They went at it in Portland again. They went at it in Seattle and Austin, Texas, in Dallas, Texas, uh, pretty much all over the country in the, in the same traditional hotspots, all over a story that the media either didn't know the truth about and guessed or knew the truth about and misrepresented. The Breonna Taylor case is nothing like what you were being told. And it's more importantly, it's nothing like the mini-series documentary thing that they are putting on Hulu about supposedly about the Breonna Taylor case. The best information you're going to get about the Breonna Taylor case came from two places. Yesterday's report by the Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, an African-American, by the way, who, of course, uh, was feature, uh, or, excuse me, was, is the first um, uh, African-American Attorney General in the history of the state of Kentucky, by the way. And he, of course, is being attacked as being a race traitor for daring to uh, conduct these investigations with the DAs and the investiga- state investigators. And then the, re- the other uh, place is from another African-American, Brandon Tatum. Former police officer Brandon Tatum has been all over this on his website, TatumReport.com. He got 
the transcripts of the uh, jail cell phone calls between Jamarcus Glover and another woman talking about all of the criminal activity that he was involved in and how it uh, connected to Breonna Taylor's home, which was, uh, the, had the warrant served on it. I mean, all of the information is available, and the media chose to ignore it in order to tell a story about another black person being shot by police in order to continue the narrative that this is a systemic industry, policing, and a systemically racist country, the United States. We'll be right back. Okay, 927, AM 1420, (coughs) excuse me, the answer. Thanks for being with us. So what you saw last night is two police officers were shot and more violence was committed across large cities across this country. Uh, What you saw was what Ben Shapiro calls about feelings and facts. Uh, Ben Shapiro calls, you know, often says rather, it's kind of a catchphrase, facts don't care about your feelings. In the case of BLM, in the case of the mainstream media, and in the case of Marxists who are intending to destroy this country, to literally create an insurrection, and in their mind, a revolution that will rebuild this country in what they deem to be a more socially just and equitable uh, manner, they literally have it upside down. Feelings don't care about your facts. Daniel Cameron, a Kentucky uh, uh, Attorney General, don't bring us your facts. Don't bring us your ballistics. Don't bring us your forensics. Don't bring us your eyewitness accounts. Don't bring us all of this stuff that says the police were not liable, did not do anything wrong in the Breonna Taylor killing. Our feelings say that it was terrible and wrong, and therefore they should be sacrificed. Sacrifice those cops, throw them in prison, because our feelings say that a black woman was shot intentionally by a racist police, a couple of racist police officers who work for a racist police system, who operate in a racist nation. Our feelings matter more than facts. That's why Ben Shapiro's statement is so important, because somebody needs to bring us back to the reality. That facts don't care about your feelings, not the other way around. Candace Owens was on Laura Ingram last night. Her words, I think, are very, very sound here. Uh, we're seeing that the system needs to be broken down, Laura, every four years about the time that we're in an election cycle. Uh, let's just call this what this is. Uh, the left has launched a war on the police officers in our country. Uh, policing, even when it's absolutely done right, is now being confused with criminality. Uh, they are now insinuating that police officers, even, even in a circumstance where they are being fired upon, when they are shot first, do not have a right to defend themselves. It's abhorrent. It didn't matter what the outcome of this case was going to be. It was obvious the police officer did everything right for any person that was paying attention to the actual facts of this case. It was obvious that everything was done correctly. It didn't matter. They were already planning to loot. They were already planning to riot. They were already planning to loot and riot, and the city of Louisville knew it, and that's why they specifically had uh, those uh, those actions taken, declaring a state of emergency before the announcement, prepping the buildings, etc., for what they knew was coming. But again, it doesn't matter. Feelings trump facts when it comes to BLM, when it comes to the American left. Feelings and an intentional strategy to help destroy this country so they can rebuild in the model they want. 
Here's Laura Ingram on those feelings. Now, the tragic deaths of George Floyd and Miss Taylor were followed by skyrocketing deaths of mostly black men in major American cities. And these were deaths, for the most part, by gun violence. But there were no protests led by certainly no famous lawyers, no famous celebrities, no protests, no outrage that I could find expressed about all those deaths. We simply cannot allow anyone to burn and trash our cities and suburbs and tonight target police officers or other innocent people every time a certain group of folks don't like a grand jury outcome. Unless we sit in that grand jury room ourselves and hear all the evidence and know the applicable law, we are really in no position to comment on the outcome. And we certainly can't let any group, including BLM or other radicals, dictate how the law is applied just because they threaten violence. It's just absurd. It is every bit of that. And I know, having served on a grand jury for uh, the, an, an entire summer several years ago, I know exactly what she is talking about. We're going to get news now, and on the other side, we're going to get the perspective of an African-American police officer in Dallas, Texas, Sergeant Demetri Penny. He'll join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Louisville Metro Police Department. All the information I'm about to give you is preliminary in nature and may additional information may arise as the investigation continues. At about 8.30 tonight, our officers were called to the area of Brooklyn College on a large crowd and shots fired in the area. As they were deploying to investigate what was going on at First and Broadway, shots rang out and two of our officers were shot. Both officers are currently undergoing treatment at University Hospital. One is in alert and stable. The other officer is currently undergoing surgery and stable. We do have one suspect in custody. That's all the information I currently have. That was the scene last night in Louisville, Kentucky. Two police officers shot. Why? Because a bunch of thugs did not like the outcome of a grand jury decision. And that is the beginning and the end of the story. People don't like something. They decide it is okay now to attack, assault, and yes, attempt to murder police officers. Joining us now is somebody who saw this firsthand up close and personally when five police officers officers were killed in Dallas, Texas, and several others injured in a Black Lives Matter activist ambush in Dallas, Texas, just three short years ago, Sergeant Demetric Penny. The Dallas Police Department joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Sergeant. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Well, I always appreciate talking to you, but I always hate the fact that it's about something like this. we got to find a way to talk right. to you about something fun one of these times, uh, Sergeant, because uh, I certainly enjoy, enjoy our conversations. But uh, um, let's start with... Uh, last night, then I'll, we'll work our way backwards to the um, to the decision by the grand jury in uh, in uh, Jefferson County, uh, Kentucky, and then I want to kind of compare this, I guess, to the way police officers are being targeted all over this country, going back even to that ambush in your city. Um, what was your reaction to what we saw last night? 
not just by the thugs being thugs, not just by the rioters doing their rioting, but by certain members of the media and certain members of the political class, elected officials, almost outright encouraging it all, Sergeant. Yeah, no, it's sickening. It is completely sickening. You know, the media has bought into this and has sold everyone this propaganda. And I want people to pay attention to the fact that we're all a part of this big social experiment where we're being used and manipulated by narrative. Unfortunately, you have politicians that have adopted to this. Why? Because they, they, they need to be able to, to save their own hide, right? They're protecting themselves. And, and who's the, who is going to be sacrificial lamb? It's going to be the law enforcement officers, the guys that are on the front line that are just trying to do a job. And it's truly unfortunate. But, but Bob, I've been, telling, I've been saying this for years. The problem is the United States does not have a comprehensive domestic terrorism policy. We have no way to deal with these behaviors. So you have politicians that come out and they say, and they say they use First Amendment, they use peaceful protest to validate rioting and, and attacks and radicalized behavior in the street. And we simply cannot do that. We had, uh, uh, as these riots have, have went across this country, we had politicians saying, just give them the street. Allow them to destroy property. We can, we can replace property. Well, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Because I'm looking at the United States economy. Maybe you're not seeing what I'm seeing. We're talking a billion dollars in damage from, from the uh, George Floyd riot. And now you're telling me to give them the street? That's a problem. That's a problem. And you know what? The U- United States economy is destined for failure if we continue to allow this behavior to move forward. And we, I, I want to encourage our DOJ to step forward and start prosecuting these, these rogue DAs that allow these individuals back into our streets and will not prosecute these individuals that are attacking people and are calling havoc to our community. That's what I want to see. We are talking to uh, Sergeant Demetric Penny, also Dr. Demetric Penny. He's Ph.D. from Texas Tech, also an Army veteran, also a 20-year Dallas police sergeant, and uh, he's also a candidate uh, for the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives in Texas's 30th Congressional District. Um, right, 40 days. Tr- 40 days, brother. 40 days, yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless you. Sure. Good luck to you. Um, you know, what you just said about the economy is is extraordinarily important, and I just want to drill down on that further and talk about what the economy means. People hear the word economy and think it is faceless. It's just a thing. And and it's not, because what you just said, the command staff is saying, hey, property can be replaced, stand down, don't engage, let them burn, let them destroy. Um, when you say oh, the economy, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about a business owner. We're talking about a business owner who has worked his entire yeah. life to, to build his business up, to, to, you know, to make it successful, hires other people. And when those businesses are destroyed, you say, oh, it's just property. It can be replaced. It can take months, if not years, to get insurance money. It can take months, if not years, to get rebuilding done. And what yeah. happens for those months and years that there is no revenue for that business owner? He loses his business altogether. What happens to the, to the, uh, uh, to the incomes of the employees who can no longer work because, well, we're just going to let them destroy it. Property can be replaced. Those people have no jobs now. So when we talk Absolutely. about the economy being impacted by thuggery and by rioting and by burning and looting and destroying things, we're hurting people. And guess what? In most of these cases, who's being hurt more than blacks? Nobody. Right. Because so many, of these, so many of these cases happen in minority communities. Go ahead, Sergeant. Yeah, yeah, no, let me give you this. Look, the reality is, so, so you have all these riots. We're dealing with, with, with joblessness. 
numbers off the roof, right, off, off the chain right now. We just simply, we don't know what to do. But this is the reality. We have 50, 56% of all businesses uh, have reported that they, they're just simply not going to be able to come back because of the because of the crisis, right? We have small and minority-owned businesses that uh, can, that will never be able to recover from uh, from these prices. And what's going to happen now? Because they have to deal with these insurance companies, or, or there's so much weight that's being put on them. You know what they're going to do? Yes, they may pay out some claims, but eventually, what they're going to do? They're going to have to keep everyone's rate, right? To deal with this type. I mean, it, you can't sustain this. I don't know. I don't know where anyone is looking at this from an economic perspective, and I, and I get it. It may not be something that people really think about. But if you think about this. If jobs are simply not in certain communities, especially in majority minority districts, right? When those communities, when, these, when, when the economy it does start to come back around, and these businesses decide to build, I guarantee you that they're not going to go back to majority minority urban areas. They're not going to do it. In fact, we see a lot of our businesses here in North Texas are moving to the suburban areas. Why? Because they don't want to be subjected to the the, the, the violence, the riots. They don't want their businesses destroyed in these urban communities. And we have to be smart. We, look, we're not a people that cannot rationalize what's going on. We, it, it just doesn't happen that way. We're a very uh, intelligent electorate. I like to believe that the American population has the ability to see the writing on the wall. Guys, we are being manipulated by, by, by social media. We're being manipulated by the news. We're being manipulated by these charlatans who... Who, who parade around and say that they are uh, representing the interests of the people, they're not. They're simply not. In fact, they're, they're, they're subjecting us to greater harm. We won't be able to take care of our families. We won't be able to have nice place and nice communities to live in because all it takes is for an individual to be emotionally disturbed by something and then cause him to, to wreck havoc. And that, that, that can't happen. We're not, we're not, we're not uh, uh, kindergartners and, and, you know, we're not third graders. We don't throw temper tantrums. And that's what the thugs are doing in, in these communities, and they're destroying our communities. Guys, these are our communities. We built them, right? If that's the narrative, let's get out here and let's protect our communities. Let's protect our police. Let's protect the people that are trying to keep us safe. Because when you call these officers to lay down, when they realize that they're not going to be protected anymore, we're only going to be subjected to greater and greater victimization. And I come from one of those communities. I tell you, Bob, look, we talk about uh, uh, what happens in the majority minority districts? Like, it, yes, the crime is off the chart. You, you have people being victimized in high rates. And when people say, I want justice, God, justice is relative. What do you mean, justice? And, and I know we're going to work back to the Breonna Taylor thing, but justice, I just want to give you my story real quick. Well, look, when my cousin got killed in front of me when I was 16, I wanted justice. I wanted this person to go to jail for life. I want this person to pay with, with the death penalty. I want him to face the same fate. But you know what? The administration of justice system said that that man was, 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 was allowed to return back to the street. They let him go back because he was able to apologize and move on. Well, that doesn't do justice for the family, for me. But I, I got to be able to accept these relative signs of justice. And I, I think the American public got to see that. It's not what we want. It's what the system allows to happen. We got to trust our administration of justice system. Um, we are talking with Sergeant and Dr. Uh, Demetric Penny from Dallas, Texas, uh, also a congressional candidate in Texas. Um, 
Trey, let's let's talk about the grand jury decision and let's talk about the outrage. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you watched yeah. and listened to the entire presentation by the attorney general yesterday. Uh, they yeah. wanted. I mean, you know, this this is this is one of those cases to me where it was uh, similar to the Michael Brown case in uh, in Ferguson, where Eric Holder, a black attorney general, knowing full well the racial ramifications of this, sent a federal investigative team or two to Ferguson to find some way to find Darren Wilson guilty of a crime in the shooting of Michael Brown in the fi- the fictitious hands up don't shoot case. They wanted to find something to placate the black community that had been taken in by the lie of hands up, don't shoot, right? I fully believe that Daniel Cameron and the investigators in DA wanted to find anything they could to charge those officers because Breonna Taylor was shot and killed when she was not targeted with bullets. They were shooting at whomever shot first at them through that door. And, um, you know, and, and, and she, she's dead and she shouldn't be. And they know that especially in this, in this summer and in this year of 2020, with the race riots and the racial division going on all over, they wanted desperately to turn over every stone they could to find a way to charge those cops. But the facts are what the facts are. And Daniel Cameron presented them, and and the grand jury said, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, We can't go locking or charging these people and having them being locked up, these officers, when they were justified in returning fire. So, Sergeant, again, you're a cop. You've you've been through doors. You've engaged in these types of violent confrontations. And obviously, you know, with your doctorate, you have a pretty good ability to analyze this. What is your response to their response to the grand jury? Okay, all right, let's put it all in context. First of all, I want to say that it, that the that the, the state and, and county agencies um, they had a responsibility to be more transparent early on. We should not have allowed, have allowed this narrative to go forward this long. This narrative, Breonna Taylor, has become and, and look, my my heart goes out to this family. This young lady should not have lost her life, but this is the reality. The reality is these officers were actually serving a warrant. They went into this house and received fire. And you know what happens when you when you come under fire? You return fire and you try to get up out of it. Okay. Now I can I mean I can imagine I can just see see this thing playing out because I've been so many so many of these incidents, man. And and it's, and it, it just it just baffles me to hear politicians you know throw these officers on, under the bus. But you know what? We had a grand the, the grand jury decided not to prove bill these, these these officers. Okay. They, they, they saw the same thing. They said, look, these officers had a legal reason to be here. They went in. They, they, uh, they, they took fire. They returned fire. And, and somebody, unfortunately, got killed. Yes, okay? There is civil liability. There is civil liability. The person that got killed was not the person that died. And guess what? They paid $12 million. That civil, that civil liability was there. Now, the criminal liability, they had no intent to go in there and kill the young lady. And I think we got to start. We got to start thinking like that. And, and the the uh, those those the, the state and the local government there, they should have been a little bit more transparent, explaining to the the audience the potential of of, of of what this was before it got there. Because what we did, we allowed the media to tell this this story over and over again about about officers walking in and killing this black lady and her not having a chance. And we allowed that person to perpetuate for so long to where now. Yes, you are going to have a hot bed. You are going to have a hot bed because you never got in front of it. You never said anything. And if there was any video 
anywhere. You should have made that stuff available so that you, you're not working from behind. And that's the problem that we have in law enforcement. We're trying to be politically correct, and we're subjecting ourselves to greater, we're subjecting our officers to greater harm because the agencies are playing politics. We have right. to be smart. Um, yeah. Last last thing, Trey, before you go on this, and I appreciate your analysis and perspective here, uh, what role does the media play in all of this, considering the fact that for months now, this thing happened in March, and for the yeah. last six months, they have been they have been perpetuating misinformation about Breonna Taylor. Right. It was the wrong apartment. It wasn't even the right place. Uh, she was in bed, in her, uh, asleep, when they broke in and just right. shot her. Uh, all of the, right. She wasn't connected to any drug uh, drug ring or drug trafficking or anything else. All of that stuff has been exposed. Some amazing reporting has been done by Brandon Tatum. Maybe you probably have seen that, uh, including the jailhouse conversations on recorded phone lines between Jamarcus Glover and others talking about the drug money that was stashed in Breonna Taylor's house. There's a reason why Breonna Taylor's address and vehicle were, were contained in that search warrant, because the police knew yeah. she, was co- she was indeed a part of of the drug ring or the drug trafficking done by her former boyfriend, Jamarcus Clever. Media didn't well, say that. Yeah, and that's, that's why I say that it was important, it was imperative for the agency to, to message properly, you know, to let the public know, look, if you, you're you not trying to demonize the young lady. But our heart still goes out to this lady. You're not demonizing her, but the facts are the facts. You need to, you need to say that before this happens. Because, you know, now that you say it, you know what it looks like? It looks like you're trying to cover up for the officer. It looks like that, that you're trying to create a narrative to get yourself out of trouble, and that's not what you want. You want to, if you want this the, the nation to know that you're transparent, you should have been messaging this from March. You should have said, "Hey, this is what we know right now. This is what's going on. This is the latest update. This is what we have." Because you knew that the media they they perpetuated this narrative and they played it over and over again about the lady being in her bed and being made and being murdered in, in her house. And 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 you know what they did? They tied it to the incident that happened in Dallas. Uh, well, that really was a bad situation with both and John. That was a really bad situation. That sure was. So, but the reality is, the media is they're, they're they're trying to get spin. They're all competing for spin. They're all competing for for for, for numbers, right? For views. And the only way to do it is to play this narrative where everyone is. Everyone is in this space, and they need this Black Lives Matter uh, uh, narrative. They keep pushing the ratings up. Yeah, that that is exactly what they need. Uh, Sergeant Demetric Penny, Doctor Demetric Penny, thank you for bringing your expertise in policing to this uh, discussion, and best of luck, of course, to you on uh, in forty days uh, in your and Bob, life. Make, make sure you remember remember to tell people to go to Penny for Congress, P E N N I E, PennyforCongress.com, and learn more about it. Thank you. Thank you, Sergeant. All right, that's Demetric Penny joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, quick timeout, right back after this. Nine fifty-eight. Now you, um, you know, you can always count on MSNBC to fan the flames, to fan the racial flames of racial division, and to, of course, uh, just cast the facts aside, just scatter them to the wind, so that they can advance their narrative. And that's exactly what they did. The law is not adequate to respond to a tragedy. That is uh, quite a remarkable statement, a striking statement. Well, listen, not only um, is he being intellectually dishonest about that, you know, I find all of his remarks with regards to this whole entire press conference offensive. And let me just speak to this whole celebrity. This MSNBC guest 
finds all of Daniel Cameron's remarks at the press conference yesterday in which he presented the findings of the investigation and the findings of the grand jury, she finds those remarks offensive because she spent the last six months investigating the death of Breonna Taylor, right? She knows way more than the African-American attorney general that she is about to disparage and insult way more than he knows because she did all of the work. Liberty influencer thing, while they can't speak for Kentuckians, let me say this as a black woman. He does not speak for black folks. He's skin folk, but he is not kin folk. He is skin folk, but not kin folk. She, she said this. What this woman just did was validate Joe Biden. That's what she did. You remember what Joe Biden said? You remember when Joe Biden declared that Hispanic people, unlike black people, have different attitudes about different things? Remember this? Hispanic people aren't like black people that all think alike. Black people all think alike. That's what this MSNBC guest just said. Daniel Cameron isn't really black. He's skin folk, but he's not kin folk because he, as a black attorney general, wouldn't sacrifice two or three white cops in order to appease the Black Lives Matter movement. He wouldn't cast the facts aside and play to our feelings as black people. Because, you know, as, as black people, we all have to hate the system. We all have to hate cops. And now we have to hate somebody like Daniel Cameron who wouldn't do, do anything to those cops. Because we all think alike. She is validating Joe Biden. And so just like he thinks they can't speak for Kentucky, because he's up there with a black face, he does not speak for all of us. This was not a tragedy. This was a murder. She knows way more about whether or not it was murder than Daniel Cameron, the attorney general, than those who heard six months worth of testimony from the grand jury or at the grand jury she knows way better this is what msnbc does and they of course did not fail in this effort they did not disappoint news time now dr everett piper next am 1420 the answer